We're going to talk about time here in a moment as we kick off a new series called Steward Well. But before we get into that, I just want to welcome our first-time guests. If you're here with us today for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. My name is Joe. I'm the pastor here at Mosaic. And on, on behalf of our whole church, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Um, in, the seat back pack, in the seat back pocket in front of you, there's a, a red connect card. And if you wouldn't mind filling that out and either dropping it in the bucket on the way out today or taking it to the info center in the lobby, uh, that would just help us to get to know you and we'll be able to connect with you this week. And uh, we'd be so thankful um, if you could share that with us uh, today before you leave um, and so we can get to know you better. Also, if you're new to Mosaic or if you've been here forever, um, I want to invite you to Class 101 on November 18th at 6.30. You'll hear all about the vision, structure, systems, direction, strategy, everything, what we believe, how we're going to get there, what we're doing here at Mosaic. And so come to Class 101 Wednesday night, uh, November 18th at 6.30. There's child care provided. All we need you to do is register so that we can be, be prepared for everybody and make sure we have enough child care. And uh, we'll see you there on November 18th. And then lastly, you might have noticed the table in the lobby with all the, the sweet potato cans on it. And so bring in your yams, your sweet potatoes. Uh, remember, it's the standard size can so we can hit that 500 number by next weekend um, to bless Mail for Miami Ministries, who is blessing families with Thanksgiving dinners uh, this year. And uh, so there's, there's that outreach that we're doing this month. Let's jump in. We're beginning a new series called Steward Well. One more thing, forgot. Uh, if, if you came prepared to give today, you can do it online or when you're walking out today that the ushers will have buckets. And if you want to worship God with your giving, uh, do that online or, or as you're leaving today. And we, we sure do appreciate your generosity. All right, let's go. Steward well. Steward well is all about stewardship. Today we, we happen to be talking about our time, but have you ever broke something? Think about this. Have you ever broke something in your life that you didn't have the money or the ability to fix or replace? If that's you, just raise your hand. You're thinking of a story. Okay, I'm going to have a few of you just come tell your stories. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you one of my embarrassing stories. I was a teenager, and I had these three friends that we were inseparable. We were always together. And as I tell this story, my dad's just going to start shaking his head um, because it, it, it is, it's tragic and terrifying. So we're, we're messing around, and back in the day, you didn't have airsoft guns, kids. You had BB guns, right? And you had to pump them up like 10 times. And, you know, when you're younger, it's like by the 10th pump, you can hardly squeeze that thing together. And, and so and we found out if you just did one or two pumps, it really didn't hurt that bad. And so me and my buddies, we're, we're doing what 15 or 16-year-old boys do. And, and don't do this, by the way. This is a lesson in what not to do. And we're, we're shooting each other with these things out in the backyard. And so what does my dad do? He pulls the old Christmas story and he yells out the back deck, stop that, you're going to shoot your eye out. No joke. And his prophetic words a couple of hours came true. And one of my buddies uh, took one in the eye. I'm not joking. This is a true story. And um, so it went kind of in the seam of his eye, and the BB went around to the back of his eyeball. We rushed to the emergency room. They do emergency surgery and get that BB out of there. And luckily, it didn't destroy all of his vision, but it took some. And to this day, he has some lines in his vision and that kind of thing. 
And I remember being with one of the other culprits in the emergency room uh, or in the, in the chapel of the hospital crying out to God because for, for one of the first times in my life, it was something incredibly serious. I realized I can't replace or fix this. Now, I wasn't the one to pull the trigger for that one, but it very, very well have, could have been me. And when the weight falls on you that you messed something up, that you can't fix or replace, there's no money in the world that can fix it. There's nothing you can do to bring it back. The words are out the trigger proverbially, proverbially has been pulled. It is over and done, and I can't take that choice back. Have you been there? On a lighter note, maybe you remember the, the Ferrari flying out that window in the garage of Ferris Bueller and crashing into the forest, and you're like, there's no putting the Ferrari back in the garage, Right? And so sometimes it's like things happen when you're taking care of precious things. Now, the first thing that we would go to is regret. Kind of like that video we watched. Man, wasn't that kind of a tearjerker? It's like, man, there's some moments. I, I wish I could get those moments back. I wish I could just take them back in my life because I realize in hindsight that, man, I didn't maybe take care of it the best that I could, but here's the amazing thing about grace is that you can live on purpose and you can be a good steward from this day forward. And, and man, if there's anything as a 40-year-old man that I could tell you, especially if you're younger and you're just starting out in your journey raising kids or maybe you haven't even had kids yet, listen up. Listen up. You get one chance to live this life. One chance to steward what God has put in your hands. Now that can, that can, that can feel like, man, that's a lot of pressure. No, and we're going to get to that today. But we got to live with eyes wide open and know the effect of our choices when it comes to stewardship in our life. And we have to learn how to steward well. Let's look at the definition of stewardship really quick. It's to manage or look after another's property, someone else's property. I love this. A steward is one that is employed in a large household or estate to manage domestic concerns, such as the supervision of people, collection of rents, and the keeping of accounts. And all you ladies can just imagine that butler dude on Downton Abbey, right? Who just takes care of everything, and he's the boss, and he's managing somebody else's stuff, but he's doing it as if it's his own, right? He's, he's doing it as if it's his property. There's such ownership. He's actually caring. He's not just like, well, I take care of it, and I do what I'm told because it's the boss. No, he actually cares about it as if he owns it, as if he's accountable and if he cares. But today as we talk about stewardship and throughout these next four weeks, stewardship is different from, for a believer in Jesus Christ versus an unbeliever. If you don't believe in Jesus today, if you're just going about life and you're pretty much just living for the next paycheck or, or just to the next acquisition in your life, you know, then it's all about my possessions and my time and my life and my choices and mine, mine, mine. 
But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you have begun to realize it or not, you crossed over into the family of God when you gave your life to Christ. You became a new creation, and now you are part of God's family. He is your heavenly Father. You are part of His kingdom. The Bible says that you are a son, you are a daughter of God, you're a co-heir with Jesus to everything that God has. Right? And everything you have ultimately belongs to God. He and he alone gave us the ability to live and move and be. He's the one that blessed us with the ability to create wealth. And here's what I know about life. This is the one, I've learned one thing, is that I will take nothing with me into eternity except my worship. I'll take nothing else. And so everything that I have is worship. My work, the money that I make, the time that I have, the energy that I'll spend, the talents that God has put in my body and in my mind, it's all worship. How I wield my influence with other people, it's all worship. And I don't know about you, but I want my worship to be more than a song. And we had amazing worship time today, and I love our worship team. But worship only begins here. And it pours out into everything else in our life. I love what, and, and, as, and so as I look at stewardship and I look at my life and I look at how I worship and how my life is an offering to God, the way that I look at it, I can boil my life down to four things that I steward. And these are the things that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. My time, right? My talent, my treasure, and my influence. My time, my talent, my treasure, and my influence. And you can probably come up with some more things, but uh, that's all I'm smart enough to come up with this, this time. And so my time, my talent, my treasure, and my influence. And so each week we're going to talk about a different one. But today it's time stewardship. Time stewardship, not time management. I love what uh, John Maxwell says about time. He says, time management is an oxymoron. Why? Because time is beyond our control, and the clock keeps ticking regardless of how we lead our lives. And so time management is an illusion. There's been all these books written about it. There's been all these things, and basically those are tools for time stewardship because you can't create time. You can't get more time. The time will keep ticking and will keep going until the, until the day you breathe your last and you enter into eternity with Jesus Christ. But how does time usually play out in our lives? If someone says to you, man, are you really enjoying your life? Most of us would say, no, and I don't have time to talk about it. I got to go, right? It's like time's moving so fast and you're just doing what you got to get done. It's like, boom, here, boom, there. I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And you're like, and before you know it, you're like, where did the last year go? Anybody else relate? Kids are gone and life went on and it's like, what happened? A lot of that goes back to the fact that we are just, we are living a culture of hurry. Everything is hurry, hurry, hurry. If you spend three minutes in McDonald's drive-thru, you're like, what is taking these guys so long? What in the world? But here's what hurry does to us. It stresses me out. I lose my joy. I'm less productive. And here's the worst one of all. If I'm hurried all the time, I can't hear God. I can't hear the voice of Jesus. I don't have any margin in my life. There's no, there's no buffer in my calendar. 
I love this de definition of margin. Margin is the space between my load and my limit. My load and my limit. Margin is the space between your load and your limit. And so we carry a load in our life, the things that we've chosen to do. And it's like, you know, so much of the time we are to the limit. How many of you know what that little RPM thing is in your car? And, and there's that red line. And some of you are like, I never, I never know what that red line is. Well, there's this thing in your car called the transmission, unless you're old school and drive that stick, that keeps you from staying in that red line. Well, for a lot of us, we're, we're driving with a manual transmission in our life, and we're just in that red line, you know, and it's like supposed to shift, but it's not shifting. And before long, you know what happens? The engine blows up. But that's what hurry does. We live with no margin, and so there's no space between your load and your limit, and we burn out. The thing that I want to just tell us today, though, and remind us of is it's our choice. It's our choice. Let's look real quick before we get into our, our, our application today at a biblical view of time. First of all, we know from Scripture that God is outside of time. He always was. He always will be. He's outside of time. He's not bound by time. The Bible says that to the Lord, you know, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day and it goes in both directions. So he's not bound by it. But here's the thing. We are. We are creatures of time serving a timeless God. Psalm 90, 20, 90, 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Right? Teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, right? Be wise about your time. Think about it. Be sure that you're giving your life towards God's will. Psalm 39, 4 through 5 says, O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Whew. Can you imagine when you think about that? That to God it's just like, poof, be gone. Right? That's our life. A mere vapor, a mere breath in comparison to the timelessness of our God. And yet, the Bible so clearly instructs us to be wise about your time, to think about it, to make the best use of the time that you've been given because it's a gift. Amen? And so how do we steward our time well? We're going to dive into four buckets this morning. How do we steward our time well? Number one in your notes, and there's, there's a, a half sheet of notes somewhere near you. If you need to go get up and go get one from another chair, you won't offend me. Go get it. And so you can fill these in. They're on your app as well. But number one, we got to schedule our values. We have to schedule our values. Right? We only get to live one day at a time. And so on my calendar, when's the last time you looked at your calendar and you actually saw the most important things to you on that calendar? 
right? We put all kinds of crazy things on the calendar. You know, we put lunch with so-and-so. We put when the guy's coming to our house to fix this, right? We put an event on the calendar. We put all this other stuff on the calendar. When's the last time you went to your calendar and saw the things that matter most, right? Your devotional time, your time at church, your time with your family, your, your date night with your spouse, your special time set aside for just your kids. The things that are timeless, are they on your calendar? Your, your, your relationships that are intentional, not, the, not just the ones that happen, but maybe, you know, you're meeting with a mentor or the person that you're mentoring. You know, I've heard a lot of people say um, that, that, man, they put very clear boundaries around their time and they schedule their values. And sometimes it's, it's reverse. Like, hey, I'm going to be home with my family at least four or three nights a week. Like, I'm only going to be out doing stuff this many nights, and this is a rule that I just won't break. Why? Because I'm going to schedule my values and what's most important. Maybe you say that growing in your relationship with Christ is important to you. And my first question would be, is it on your calendar? What kind of intentional uh, routine or schedule have you created that is going to help you get there? Sometimes I have to remind myself of my values because my values have not yet made it to my actions. Am I the only one? Have you ever looked at your life and be like, what have I been doing the last three months? To which you could just look at your calendar. And maybe you say, well, Joe, I don't keep a calendar. And I'm like, well, you don't, you don't have to use the same system as everyone else But systems create behavior, and if you don't have a system to help you get where you want to go, then you're going to get somewhere by default, but it's probably not going to be where you want to be. So I have to remind myself of my values. I need to write them down, and then I need to translate that to action. What's the scriptural basis for this? It's really simple. Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, 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 and he will give you everything that you need. You see, when you put God first, this is the amazing thing about stewardship. Then you, when you say, God, I'm going to put, I'm going to order my time to where you are number one in priority, then he's going to give you everything else that you need. When you take care of what God has given you, you will always have enough. And this is not prosperity gospel. This isn't some sort of magic or voodoo or anything like that. This is called a promise of God. And so when we seek the kingdom of God above everything else, which means it's probably going to show up on our calendar and live righteously, he'll give you everything that you need. And so I just want to encourage you as an application to this point to look over the calendar this week. Do a time audit. If you want extra credit, how many extra credit kind of people out there? My middle son is an extra credit person. He's like, in in some of his classes, he had like 104%. And I'm like, well, buddy, that's not possible. And he's like, well, I got it, right? And, And it's like, well, they're not teaching you math because there's no such thing as 104%, right? Anybody with me? No, anyway. 
So do a time audit. Extra credit means that you write down every, sing that you, every single thing that you do all day, every week. Write it all down. I brushed my teeth. Yeah, I mean, I, you can get as nitty and gritty as you want. And I guarantee you that at the end of the week, when you look at your list of every single thing that you did all week, it will be revealing as all get out as to what your priorities really are. If this is a task to you, it'll suck the life out of you. But if it's a mission, if you're like, I want to get on your page, God, I want to steward my time the way that you want me to steward it, it's going to be life-giving. All right, number two. If you want to steward your time well, say no to many small things and say yes to a few big things. Say no to many small things and say yes to a few big, t- big things. How many of you have ever said, I, need more, I just need more time? Have you ever said that? I know that I have. And, this, and when I say that, it's as if I forgot who said yes to what I'm spending my time on, right? It's like, I wonder who said yes to all these things. Well, I did, right here. When is the last time you said no to something really good because of an intentional decision to pursue something better? Like you're saying, man, my family matters more than anything, so I'm going to say no to that trip with the buddies, and, which is awesome. I want to go skiing in the mountains so bad, but I'm going to say no to that because I'm saying yes to something better. Every time, and here's the picture that I just want to create with this point today. Every time you say yes or no, you're laying a block. You're building a foundation. You're driving a nail, you're raising a wall, and you're building your life. And after you make a few choices, after you say yes to enough things and no to enough things, you've built a life. You've built a schedule. You've built a routine. You've built what your life looks like on a daily basis. And after a while, there's no more room. You can't say yes to anymore and you can't say no to anymore. It's just like it is what it is and you're just living. And so when you make those choices about what to say yes to and what to say no to, it's incredibly important because in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in, torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse in a mighty crash. And so when you say yes to things and when you say no to things, think about that. God, what kind of life am I building? And and am I building the kind of life based on your values that when the storms of life come, I'm still going to be standing? I'm not going to get tipped over. I'm not just going to get tossed around. It's going to stand through the storm. Listen, there are the trappings and tuggings of this world, what everyone else wants you to do. And then there's the goals that Jesus wants you to do. There's the things that Jesus wants you to do. And if you need a head start and you're wondering, what does Jesus want me to do with my life? Just go to Matthew chapter 5 and start from there. And just read about the heartbeat of Jesus for your life. I get to say yes and I get to say no. It's a powerful thing. And so ask yourself, what kind of life do I want to build? Do I just want a good life or do I want a great life? To have a great life, you have to say no to a lot of really good things 
and say yes to only the best things. Number three, stop saying, I don't have enough time. Just take it completely out of your vocabulary. Don't ever say it again. Why? Because God gave you every minute you will ever have. He didn't give you too many, and he didn't give you too few. This is a powerful principle to get deep in your heart. That God has given me everything that I need for life and godliness through the, through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. That's scripture. He's given me everything. And so if God gave me everything that I need, he's given me every minute that I'll ever have, then it's almost, when I think about it, it's all, it seems like it would almost be offensive to him if I say I don't have enough time. Why? Because he looks at you and, and he says, I gave you every minute that you'll ever have. You get to steward it. And so we don't say, I don't have enough time. Here's what we do. James 4, 13 through 15. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This is a powerful principle that we live on his time clock. It says it like this in Proverbs, that the Lord, or that, that man, you know, orders his steps, or a man makes plans, but the Lord orders his steps, right? That we can make our plans all day long, but at the end, God gets the trump card of what our life is going to look like. And here's what is so comforting when I think about God in time. He is never, ever, ever, ever late. How many of you have been waiting on a promise from God for a long time? You've been waiting on God to come. You're praying a prayer. You're standing on his word. You're looking for him to come through in your life, but you're still waiting. I just want to encourage you. God is never late. You think about Abraham and Sarah. They had a baby when Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100. God is never, ever late. He never needs more time. He always has more than enough. We can steward the time God gives us the best we can, but there's always this openness to God's interventions. And here's what I've found, that the more I use a calendar and I'm intentional with my time and my minutes throughout the day, the more margin I have for God's interventions. But if I don't be a good steward of my time and think about when I'm going to do what, I never have enough time when God shows up and says, serve or do this, or that, or help that person. Why? Because I'm being a mismanager of my time and my resources, and so there's never enough. And so I'm going to stop saying I don't have enough time. I'm going to keep a calendar. I'm going to do the things that I need to do. How about this principle? I have the relationship with Jesus that I want. Right? So stop saying I don't have enough time. Because you and I, we have the relationship with Jesus that I want. And so if you want more of Jesus, you want more of God, go get it. He's there for the taking. He's there for the having. He wants to shower blessings on you. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights, right? And so he's there. Here's another principle when, with this whole I don't have enough time thing. I always seem to find time for what's most important to me right? Man, Mandalorian, new episode come out, all of a sudden I got time. How many of you have been there, right? 
It's like all of a sudden, whoa, I got an hour? Check this out. What would you say if I told you you could read 200 books a year? Anybody? What if I told you you could read 100 books a year? A couple examples. George, the second George Bush, doesn't matter what you think about him, he read 100, or, uh, 100 books a year, or maybe it was 52, one of the two, the whole time he was president. Can you imagine carrying that kind of workload and still reading that much? But here's the deal. A guy named Chu did a study, and he, and he found out that Americans spend 608 hours a year on social media. That is the equivalent of 15 entire 40-hour work weeks. 608 hours. So essentially, even if you're reading at an average speed, like most people can read, chances are you could finish 200 books a year if you replaced your social media habit with reading. Even if you only replaced half of your social media time, you could easily finish 100 books a year. Man, when you hear stuff like that, it changes the perspective on I don't have enough time. Doesn't it? Man, we find the time. What does God want? Do that first. Number four as we close today. Get in a rhythm. If you want to steward your time well, you got to get in a rhythm. Man, there is this amazing story of these, these two explorers that were trying to get to the South Pole. One was named Amundsen, and the other was Scott. Scott decided to use motorized sleds to get to the North Pole. Amundsen used dogs and sleds, right? Amundsen decided to travel 20 miles a day, no matter what, every single day without fail. No more and no less. He got in a rhythm. Scott would go as far as he could every day, And so some days he would go 40 miles, some days he would only go five because the weather was too bad and his machines didn't work. Guess who made it to the pole? Amundsen, because of the 20-mile march that he did every single day, no matter what, no matter how bad the weather was, no matter how good the weather was, he went 20 miles every single day. He made it to the pole and all the way back alive, everyone in his crew. Scott and every single person in his crew died. All because Amundsen decided to stick to a rhythm. There's a million different plans for your life that you can find and come up with. I just encourage you to have one. Here's a really easy one uh, from Michael Hyatt. He's a great writer, a great blogger. Encourage you to check it out on Google. But four quick points from him. He says, first of all, to abandon annually. Have your, you know, schedule your vacation or your major learning events. I love to watch the Global Leadership Summit every single year, right? And so, and you put that vacation on the calendar the first thing of the year because you're going to recharge your batteries. Next thing he says is to measure monthly. To see, have a monthly meeting with yourself, whether it's a half day or all day, where you just sit down and think about how am I growing this month? Who am I being mentored by? Who's, who am I mentoring? Evaluate your life. Recalibrate your goals. How did I grow in the last 30 days? The next thing is to withdraw weekly. This is scriptural, your day off. 
And no matter who you are or how strong you think you are, you need one. The Bible's model is six and one. You work six, you have one off where you rest. So that's got to be in the rhythm. And during that time, you can set up some weekly reading and learning goals. You can think about your life. You can, you can think about how you're learning and what, how you need to recalibrate for the week. You can memorize scripture. You can spend some extended time in God's word. The last thing that Michael Hyatt says to do is to divert daily. Divert daily, which means that there's a time every day where you plan out your day, you think about it, you do your devotions, you have time for physical fitness, you have time with your spouse, you spend some time with your kids, you, you figure out when you're gonna spend time with friends and you have your most important things at the top of your list and you plan your day. Whatever your plan looks like, I just encourage you, you need one. You need one and it has to include walking with Jesus. Because stewardship of your time doesn't just mean, you know, when we talk about godly stewardship of our time, it does, doesn't just mean making sure church stays on your calendar. That's not all there is to it. It's every minute of every day is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. I love what Jesus says in the message in Matthew 11. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, the first time I heard that verse, I just thought to myself, oh man, that sounds awesome. I just want to sit back, lay back and just rest with Jesus. Doesn't that sound awesome? I'm just going to forget about work. I'm just going to forget about everything in life and I'm just going to, you know, walk through the tulips with Jesus and have just a great life. Doesn't it, again, it kind of gives you that feeling. You know, I know, at least it did for me the first time I read that verse. But, but listen, it says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then he says, walk with me and work with me. He says, work with me, right? I love that. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What does that tell me? That religion and just earthly striving and just trying to do it our way and just doing it on, on how good I am is do, 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 do. But if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's based on passion and it's based on purpose and it's based on be, be, be. I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. I've got a purpose in life. I've got a, a lift in my step. I know where I'm going and I know what I'm up to, right? Love that. Listen, you might have broke your schedule. You might have broke your priorities in life. You might have broke how you're spending your time and you can't fix it. You might, some of those feelings of regret might have stirred up when you watched that video at the beginning or maybe when I told you my story about the BB gun because you've got some story in your life that is just as or more serious. And you're like, Joe, I don't know how I can redeem the time. Here's the deal. 
You can't go back, but you can always go forward. And when you go forward, you can go with Jesus. You can walk with him. You can learn from him. And you can learn these unforced rhythms of grace. He wants to help you. He doesn't want to lay anything ill-fitting on you. Something that doesn't fit how he made you. That doesn't mean it won't be work. But when you work with Jesus, when you work with people you love, when you work with people that you want to be with, it sometimes it doesn't feel like work, right? And so where are you at today? Listen, when I think of the word stewardship, what it, my mind immediately goes to is surrender. Stewardship might as well be surrender because I'm surrendering to his way, not my way. Right? There's a big difference between Jesus being your Lord and being your Savior. And he wants to be both. When he's your Savior, he saves you from your sin. He takes it away. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. Man, and you're out of hell. Isn't that great? But when he's your Lord, you're saying, God, I don't want you to just take my sin away. I want to go with, on a journey with you every single moment of my life, forever and ever. I want every choice that I make, every minute that I plan, every dollar that I spend, every talent that I invest, every bit of influence that I have to be worshiped to an almighty God. Stewardship is surrender. And so what's your first step today? Maybe it's just to surrender your life to Jesus. Because you might look at your time and how you're spending it and say, man, I don't see Jesus anywhere in it. And maybe the most spiritual thing that you could do this week would to be pull out your calendar and put Jesus on it. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, where are you at with your time today? Is it time to surrender your life, your time, your minutes, your ambition to Jesus Christ? If that's you today and whatever that looks like for you, whether it's your first time, you know, stepping into a relationship with Jesus or, or you're like, Joe, I just really need to get my time in order. If that's you and you just want to make a renewed commitment or a first time commitment to Jesus to put him first in your life today, uh, just raise your hand with me. And I can do better. I can do better and say, Jesus, I need your help with my time stewardship. It's yours. Every minute I've been given, it's yours. And I want to I wanna use it better. I want to use it for your glory. I want to be more effective. I want to get more done for the glory of God. Jesus, I want to um, have margin in my life for those Holy Spirit opportunities that you drop in my path. Help me in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord. If you're here today and, and, and you're that person that wants to give your heart and your life to Jesus for the first time, you want to pray a prayer of salvation. I want to create a time and space for you to do that. And so if that's you, you say, Joe, I've never given my life to Christ and I'm giving it to him today. With nobody looking around, just raise your hand. We're going to pray together today. Amen. All across this room, just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus give my life to you. 
Let's lift our voices. I give my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you rose again on the third day. I'm choosing to follow you. Help me to understand your word. Help me to follow you to the best of my ability. I live every day for you. Amen. 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 Thanks so much for being with us here at Mosaic today. Um, my board of directors and elders, if you're in the house, um, if you could come forward, they're here to pray with you um, this morning after church. And so if you need prayer for anything, I just encourage you to find one of the guys up front here and um, get some prayer. Uh, thanks so much for, for observing communion with us today and being here. I just want to encourage you before you leave, the guys are at the door if you need to give. Um, uh, you can drop your Connect cards off at the Info Center. Um, you can give online. And then also don't forget 101, uh, the can drive, everything coming up. You have, if you have any questions, just ask. We'd love to help you. Uh, you are dismissed. Have a great day on this beautiful, beautiful weather, and uh, we'll see you next week.